Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It is Wednesday, September 25th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson and host of Humanity in the Headlines, a team of Buchanan, are back to talk all things Trump impeachment. And we welcome University of Chicago nurse Kelly Keene. And now your host, not a nurse. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Run Around to Lose Weight Wednesday. And here's why. Many, 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 many years ago, folks, I used to play basketball uh, every Friday night at the Logan Square Y with a gentleman, among others, named Joe. Yes, Joe. What up, Joe? Hey, Joe. Tough dude. Excellent basketball player. Ex-Marine. He used to tell the rest of us, D, you guys just run around to lose weight. I play to win. It's oh, a great like a quote. Nice guy. I love Joe. I used to say that quote for like 20 years. I haven't said it in a while. I play to win. The rest of you just run around and lose weight. Anyway, seems as though that Nancy Pelosi has decided to take Joe's advice. Sick and tired of running around and lose weight. She's playing to win. Yes, sir, indeed. As we were heading off the show yesterday, uh, the word broke. Dennis interrupted the show. Uh, De- uh, ben, breaking news. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has just announced that she's uh, supporting an Im- impeachment inquiry. About freaking time. Listen, everybody knows I love Nancy Pelosi to death. I think she's done a great job keeping the Democrats together. These uh, first three very trying years uh, with Donald Trump. But enough is enough. Donald Trump crossed the line that even Nancy Pelosi could not tolerate. And that, of course, is the breaking news. Things are breaking faster and faster as we speak of Donald Trump getting on the phone with the president of Ukraine to get the president of Ukraine to get his prosecutor to uh, uh, investigate Joe Biden. Look at digging for dirt in Ukraine on Joe Biden, getting another country's uh, prosecutor to do his dirty work to undermine uh, Joe Biden. This is, by the way, just the day after. After uh, Robert Mueller had testified to Congress about the last time Donald Trump got a uh, a foreign leader to do his dirty work. That's and, correct. Uh, thanks, Mueller. Uh, digging up dirt in this case on Hillary Clinton. Uh, that would be Vladimir Putin, who had his hackers go into Democratic computers. Don't forget that, Dems. You always like to forget that. You 
You always like to forget that. So anyway, he doubled down right after Mueller uh, testified for Congress. He felt so powerful, Donald Trump did, that he got on the horn with the uh, president of Ukraine uh, and uh, asked him to dig up dirt. And uh, I've been absorbed since we um, since I hopped in the car to get over to the Studio D, the White House released the transcripts. I am loving reading these Trump transcripts. I know uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, but this is one little nugget. They released the transcripts of the conversations with the president of Ukraine. And here's one nugget from Donnie Trump. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution. And a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general, that would be Barr, um, so much for him being neutral, uh, would be great. Biden went around bragging that he could stop the prosecution. So if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. And the president says, uh, president of Ukraine says, I wanted to tell you about the prosecutor. First of all, I understand I'm knowledgeable about the situation. And that prosecutor is 100% my person. Man, they cut a deal. Donald Trump, the day before, a couple days before, withheld $400 million worth of aid to Ukraine. Then he makes the phone call. He tells the president of Ukraine, you know, we, uh, you're a very special country. We help you very much. We can help you in the future. By the way, there's a certain presidential candidate running against me. I'd like you to investigate. His name is Joe Biden. Biden. Joe, you know, just in case. <laughs> just in case he thought he was wanted to investigate Pete Buttigieg. You know, you got to make sure, D, which, which uh, presidential candidate he wants to investigate. So uh, that sure sounds like Donald Trump uh, cutting a deal with the president of the Ukraine. First thing I thought, D, in my effort to localize absolutely everything, my first question were, where are the South Suburban police chiefs? Remember them? They were outraged. Outraged, I tell you, that Cook County... Uh, State's attorney Kim Fox had been on the phone with Eddie Johnson of the Chicago Police Department on behalf of Justice Millett. Remember that, D? They had a press conference. I think there was a protest. They had a rally. They wanted an investigation. They said, this is really just intolerable that there be political considerations into law enforcement. Up, I expect them, at the very least, to have a press conference. I'm sure they're going to have right now a protest rally uh, right down the street from us, D, calling for an investigation, calling for an impeachment into Donald Trump, who took what Kim Fox did and tripled it. Right down the street, like by the bagel shop? I hope so. Well, no, <laughs> in the other awesome. direction. Oh. It was. It was the, the, I think it was across the street from where the Fraternal Order Police are. Oh. Anyway, you know, uh, so I'm really looking forward to those South Suburban Police Chiefs having that uh, uh, that 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 rally uh, to denounce Donald Trump for doing be the same thing essentially that they were so outraged that Kim Fox did uh, in regards to Justice Smollett. Anyway, it's good to see that Nancy Pelosi's gotten on the impeachment bandwagon. It's good to see that the Democrats have decided uh, that they're going to play to win instead of running around to lose weight. I got to tell you, folks, you're not going to beat Donald Trump by ducking from the fight. This guy has essentially given two middle fingers to the Democratic Party for four years, ever since he, or three years, ever since he got elected. He didn't get elected with majority. He won only because we have this crazy electoral system in our country, and he acts as though he has a mandate. And the only reason he is even has a chance to win re-election is because we still have that crazy electoral system. There will be more people who vote against him, guarantee you, in this, time, in this election than even in the Hillary Clinton election. 
election. But he feels that he is safe and secure, that his voters will stand by him. Uh, anything, no matter what he does, uh, even if he tries to cut a deal with Ukraine, withholding aid to the Ukraine, if they dig up dirt in exchange for them digging up dirt on Joe Biden. So it's about time the Democrats did something uh, serious, took this serious. It's about time they launched this impeachment inquiry. I look forward to that showdown vote. It's time to play to win, Democrats. Stop running around and lose weight. We got no a collusion. great show today. Monroe Anderson be here. You know what Monroe will be talking about? What's that? Trump, 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 Trump. He's oh. so excited. He's probably running down here right now. Still waiting for that gardening segment from Monroe Anderson. Uh, 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 T. Buchanan will be here. You know what T. will be talking about? Trump, 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 and Trump. He's running down here right now. And then we'll take a, a little break from Trump to talk some local issues. Uh, there's a strike at the University of Chicago. Uh, Kelly Keene, a striking nurse. Well, they actually, they're not on strike anymore. They were locked out. They're back to work. But they still haven't cut a deal. So she'll be updating us what's going on at the University of Chicago. Come on, folks got to treat your nurses with respect university of chicago the nurses are on the front lines man treat them like treat them so shabbily huh come on i wasn't gonna go anywhere thank you anyway so we have local news (laughs) national news plenty of trump talk but before we do any of that the doctor with the news hey guys how's it going my name's dennis all right uh, yes, all things Donald Trump today, all right? We're taking the deepest of deep dives, all right, on this Trump impeachment, all right? Don't worry. But we do need to discuss what's happening in Illinois and or Chicago this afternoon. Actually, before we do that, uh, we have some people weighing in on the YouTube live stream. Uh, Pat Rod weighed in. What's up, Pat Rod? He says, uh, Monroe is off by two and a half months. LMAO. <laughs> He's... <laughs> Pat Rod, that's the one of the first things I'll ask Monroe. You know, Monroe's been predicting this impeachment for how long? Fourth of July, didn't he? Wasn't that what it was mm-hmm. that he said? Yeah. Ben, so. for 10 trivia points, what does LMAO stand for? Uh, L-M-A-O. Um, <clears throat> uh, laugh my beep off. Oh, yeah, there you go. Come you on, go. man. I'm it's, a millennial. It's laughing, but then we'll take it. We'll take oh, it. Look at, oh, look. Oh, so tough. Uh, it's laughing. And then uh, <laughs> Kyle brought up uh, what I brought up to you today. So is Ben going to get a hard copy of the phone transcript like he did with the Mueller report to read on the air? D- yes, I have it right. Well, okay. Have, do not have the hard copy. Yes. Thank you for asking that question. I'm stuck with the phone, but as soon I bet you tomorrow's newspaper We'll have such a hard copy. And the internet probably has it too. But he'll wait for that newspaper yeah, to come Yeah, but you up. want that. No, it's already on the internet. I read it on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, You're reading on the phone. And they and they have all the, i got to give the New York Times credit. They have uh, the really uh, horrible parts uh, in orange with a little like footnote and ana- uh, analysis of what's going on. The annotated version. So yeah, man, Trump is up to no good. And you know what, D? He released what? it. He did like, I don't care. Everybody in Alabama is going to vote for me anyway. So what do I care? Anyway, it's all up to you, you swing voters in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. It's in your, the ball is in your hand. Don't be nervous now. Don't be Mitch Trubisky. Find your inner Patrick Mahomes. Oh, do, do not be Mitch Trubisky. No, don't be. By the way, I bumped into, oh, I said poor guy here at the Sun-Times. We have a, an employee at the Sun-Times. I'll just call him Dave. Hey, Dave. Uh, yeah, and he loves the Bears. And he's very, I'll put a, I'll take three touchdowns from Mitch Trubisky anytime. Well, you got to give Dave credit, man. He's not jumping off the bandwagon. Like right. you did immediately <laughs> oh, after yeah. that first week. Can we have Patrick Mahomes? Can we do a do-over of that draft? Anyway, and sorry. that's our sports talk for today. <laughs> anyway, swing voters, Wisconsin, Michigan, and, and Pennsylvania, be like Patrick Mahomes, not Mitch Trubisky. <laughs>
All right, now let's talk about what's going on in Illinois and or Chicago this afternoon. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, well, we hope you had a good summer. This little light of mine, <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. Because it looks oh like God. you have a hell of a fall ahead of you. That light is shining all right. <laughs> good golly. I know, things may not be looking good here for uh, Lightfoot as we move into the end of the year. And we got that uh, whole budget thing, you know, damn near a billion dollar budget deficit. Yes, that's billion with a <laughs> <laughs> and now it looks like she has a few union strikes to figure out. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Chicago's Park District workers announced Tuesday evening that they have voted in favor of a strike, putting added pressure on Mayor Lori Lightfoot as she's already facing looming teachers and school support staff strikes. More than 94% of the Park District employees represented by SEIU, Local 73. Shout out to SEIU. Uh, they voted for a strong, or I'm sorry, they voted for a work stoppage a union official told the crowd at a Chicago Teachers Union labor rally featuring Democratic presidential candidate, U.S. Senator, and Mr. $27 himself, <laughs> Bernie Sanders. Ben, your thoughts? Uh, well, things have radically changed from about two, six years ago. Uh, local 73, SEIU Local 73, had essentially uh, uh, cut a deal with Rom and was looking the other way as, as Rom just was like a stick it to uh, the teachers. Things have radically changed with SEIU. That old regime is, is out. There's a new bunch in there, and they're uh, much more aggressive in, uh, in, in relationship to Lori Lightfoot. Uh, the unions of Chicago have definitely woken up. D. This is a whole new militancy out there. And, uh, yeah, three potential strikes. Bob Ryder, our good friend Bob Ryder, uh, was on fire at uh, the rally yesterday. Dropped an F-bomb. Yeah, he dropped an F-bomb. Bob, what do you think? That was a podcast? You Dang. can't just drop an F-bomb. Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, And I know you're going to go into uh, that. Uh, are you going to go into you have some updates on that at all? Because otherwise I'll just oh, go. On Bob Ryder going nuts? No. no, the CTU thing. Well, anyway, they had a rally uh, at the uh, CTU headquarters over here in the West Loop. And uh, Bernie uh, Sanders was there. John Cusack, uh, Dennis's favorite actor for 10 trivia points. Dennis named two John Cusack movies. High fidelity, say anything. Whoa. Dang, man. Look at the brain on Brad. That's very good. Uh, uh, for 30 trivia points, what high school did he go to? Um, Whitney Young. Eh, Evanston High School. Anyway, um, so uh, Cusack was there. Bernie Sanders was there. Bob Ryder was there. And uh, yeah, it's a new militancy in the part of Chicago Union. Uh, they're sick and tired of uh, rolling over and letting powerful mayors just give them the middle finger. Uh, I, In some ways, you could say it's really unfair that Lori, I mean, Lori wasn't Rom, uh, she, but she's inherited a city uh, that he shaped. And it was really important for her, I suppose, to try to make peace with the unions instead of uh, just instead of continuing in any way what Rom, uh, the Rom's attitude toward the union, which was uh, basically boils down to shut up and get in line. Uh, so, yeah, there's a new militancy out here. And by the way, it all I. It all began in 2012 with the teachers, Chicago Teachers Union, Karen Lewis, the great Karen Lewis, uh, went on strike, shocked everybody. Nobody knew how to deal with that one, D. Um, I don't recall, I'm trying to think, were there any uh, high-ranking Democrats who came to Chicago on behalf of the teachers in 2012? The world was a different place, D. I can't remember any. Uh, and uh, so it's good to see that the unions are speaking up and stepping and, you know, speaking up for their rights. All power to them. All right, yeah, Bernie Sanders was in town last night along with John Cusack. Gen Xers and baby boomers, please hold your excitement. I know you guys love John Cusack. We've got to continue on, though, all right? Uh, Say anything was a good flick. Yeah, it was okay. All right, now the big local story that broke on Tuesday. Illinois State oh Senator Martin Sandoval, what the hell did you do? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, it's our Illinois political FBI raid of the fall. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, John Seidel, Tina Spondellas, and Tom Shuba. Federal agents descended Tuesday on the home and offices of State Senator Martin Sandoval mm-hmm. as part of an ongoing criminal investigation, adding him to the list of city and state politicians facing serious scrutiny. Feds and suits could be seen lugging boxes, electronics, and a bag marked evidence from the state capitol building in Springfield. A similar scene played out at Sandoval's southwest side home, and agents could be seen outside Sandoval's political office in Cicero. FBI Special Agent John Althan confirmed the agency had personnel in the state capitol conducting, quote, authorized law enforcement activity, but he declined to comment further. And now, well, we saw this one coming. Also declining to comment, (laughs) Senator Sandoval. Sandoval is chairman of the Senate's Transportation Committee and is known to be a fierce political fundraiser. For Illinois, it's the third office raided by the FBI in one year. Maybe it's a record. Fingers crossed. 14th Ward Alderman Edward Butterfingers Burke. (laughs) His office was raided last November. And it was our FBI raid of the summer. Alderwoman Carrie Austin. Ben, of which ward? Um, uh, That would be Ward 34. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. For 10 trivia points, who did she inherit the job from? Ice Cube. All right, now he's a dork, people. Now, Ice Cube. So, we're still trying to find out what is, as Ben would say, the dilly with the dally. We've learned from the last two times this has happened. My God, our state is shady. But we've learned that it could take months to get the details on this. So, Ben, I say this is prime speculating time, buddy. Let's speculate. What do you think is going to go on with Sandoval? Well, He's the, the two issues here. One, uh, what are they looking for specifically with Sandoval? Two, who triggered it? And uh, it, immediately when the story broke that Martin, the, the feds are rated Martin Sandoval. Martin Sandoval, just uh, folks who know this, is very powerful Southwest Side state senator uh, and uh, Democratic official, Democratic Party, my beloved Democratic Party, up to no good. Oh, you're testing me, Democrats. You are really testing me. Uh, he's an ally of Ed Burke. He's an ally of Michael Madigan. Uh, very uh, well entrenched on the Southwest side. Mark Brown wrote an excellent column in today's Sun-Times. I urge everybody to check it out about how Marty Sandoval has always used the system well to take care of himself. So what in particular are they looking for and who triggered it? And immediately, the story hadn't broke when I got a, a text from an old friend of mine. Uh, we'll call him AJ. Uh, hey. AJ. Hey, what up, AJ? And he immediately was immediately speculating, who is the snitch? Who is the person who triggered this investigation into Sandoval? And uh, my uh, entry into that uh, uh, speculation is that this is a result of something that the FBI picked up on Danny Solis' tapes. Now, one more time, everybody, follow me in this one. Danny Solis, the former alderman of the 25th Ward, very powerful ally of uh, Mayor Rahm and Mayor Daley, uh, about 2014 did something that got him in trouble with the feds and as a result he turned uh, federal evidence he be- he put on a wire and started collecting uh, conversations with ed burke now there are many other people uh, d that he, whose phone calls i presume uh danny solis also taped the only ones we really know about right now are ed burke and a meeting that uh, danny solis set up with michael madigan uh that took place i think in 2014 but the, i'm sure his phone conversation i'm sure i'm on one of those i oh, called God. danny solis 
movies from oh, time no. to time. Oh, my God. Right now, the feds. Yeah, our days are numbered. <laughs> well, it's true. I'm always cutting deals to get guests to come on this show, but never those kinds of deals, folks. I it's like, please, not. come on the show. More like that kind of deal. Uh, so, anyway, I, I, my bet is, is that there's something on those tapes, D, uh, those Daddy Solis tapes, uh, that are probably going to implicate quite a few Chicago politicians. That's the scuttlebutt uh, that... I, that's what I believe anyway, and I think a lot of other people believe it as well. So my guess is somehow or other linked to, to Danny Solis. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a squeeze play. You know that old squeeze play, D, where you, you get a lower-level uh, politician, you squeeze him oh, yeah. to, to testify uh-huh. against a higher one? I, I mean, I can't believe the feds are going through all this effort using Danny Solis uh, to wear a wire and collect all this information on phone calls conversations with powerful Democrats are going to stop with Marty Sandoval. Good God. Oh, well, they still, I guess they got Ed Burke, so that's a powerful Chicago pal. And we'll see how uh, high up the food chain it goes. But right now they're at uh, uh, Marty Sandoval. I'll tell you what, Danny Solis, you know, Danny Solis, uh, I've been kind of rethinking Danny Solis. This is something I can never imagine I would ever, ever say. Uh, and uh, Danny Solis and I were never on the same side politically of anything other than we were both Democrats. Uh, but he was with Daly. He was with Rom. He was a Daly appointee. I voted for every single deal that Daly uh, put out there. Voted for every single deal that Rom put out there uh, in reward for his utter loyalty. Uh, Rom put him in charge of the zoning the de- uh, zoning committee. So he uh, greenlit every bad TIF deal that we have, every zoning deal, whether it was good or bad. Uh, he, you know, when, when it was necessary, he said that you have to vote for a certain zoning change because the local alderman, uh, wanted it. And then, uh, when necessary, he threw alderman a prerogative out the window, like in just to pick one example, when he forced, uh, alderman Nick Spazzato to take a charter school in his ward that he didn't want to pass the zoning, to take a, a UNO charter school, uh, in, uh, Nick Spazzato's ward that Nick Spazzato didn't want. So he would say anything at any time to benefit uh, a powerful mayor and uh, his agenda but having said all that it was danny Solis' decision to wear that wire that got the goods on ed burke and has forced ed burke um out of power essentially he's still an alderman but he's no longer the chair of the finance committee uh he no longer has slate making control of the democratic party over judges uh he's, he's a, a figure of derision nobody will dare we had ray lopez in the studio yesterday d and uh we talked about this anytime anybody speaks up against uh Lori lightfoot uh they're quick to say oh he's just speaking up on ed burke so now people can use ed burke to sort of diminish uh the um the independent the rhetoric of an alderman like a, a maverick alderman like uh, Ray Lopez. So he has become a figure of derision. And, you know, in a, in, a, in a strange, winding way, we owe it all to Danny Solis. So there, I said something nice about Danny Solis, and he's probably the reason Marty Sandoval's in trouble as well. Danny Solis uh, is the agent of all this. Can't wait to hear those phone calls, D. By the way, Man, you got to give it. I'll say this about Donald Trump. He got the transcript of his phone call out a lot faster than we're getting those Danny Solis phone calls. Come on, prosecutors here in Chicago. Let's get, let's see the goods on the Danny Solis phone calls. All right. So let's see what uh, people are saying here after the raid. Uh, we got Illinois Public Radio here. Chicago-based FBI spokesman John Alton refused to confirm the target of the raid or say what it was about, saying, quote, all I can say at this point is we are engaged in an authorized law enforcement activity. Beyond that, we've got no further comment, 
Alton said by phone. Asked if agents from Chicago were in the Capitol building. He said, quote, they're present. Yes. Okay. At least eight men in suits left the Capitol carrying two cardboard boxes, several brown bags labeled evidence, like we said, and what appeared to be a desktop computer wrapped in plastic. They loaded the items into an SUV and left without speaking to reporters. Calls to Sandoval's Capitol and district offices were not returned Tuesday. A spokesman for Senate President John Cullerton also declined to comment. Uh, ABC 7 says that business owners near his district office were surprised by the raids. Uh, here's, I guess, one business person. Quote, we saw the cameras coming up over here. Uh, he's with Dell Plumbing Company. His name's Harry. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds kind of cool. No, come on. <laughs> he just well, goes by the name Harry. Harry, well, his last name, Harry uh, Lamiot. Oh, they gave his last name. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought you yeah. like Madonna, just one name. <laughs> Harry, just call me Harry. Right. No, he says, uh, we saw the cameras coming up over here. To tell you the truth, we never see him, very much of him. They're kind of private, it seems, at least for us. And then CBS2 reports that people in Sandoval's neighborhood say they know he lives there, but... They don't see him much. Ooh. Very private guy, yeah, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, yeah. Ah, and it looks like uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was asked about it. In an interview with the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot said that she was, quote, not surprised by the Sandoval office raid, noting that she has no specific knowledge of uh, about Sandoval one way or another. And if needed, she would be willing to talk more about it. Perhaps over a luncheon. <laughs> I made that last part. <laughs> she loves luncheons, everybody. By the way, Mayor Lightfoot's Wednesday schedule includes a trip to the hatchery to announce new investments in minority-owned small businesses on the south and west sides, where I'm from. A hatchery is where you buy baby chickens. Then to Lindblom <laughs> Math and Science Academy. Lindblom. Oh, Lindblom. Oh, they should put another O in there. Yeah. It's L-I-N-D-B-L-O-M. What can I tell you? It's Chicago, man. That's weird. Yeah. Then to Lindblom Math and Science Academy to attend, oh, I guess it's not the Spelling Academy, uh, to attend the Youth Budget Town Hall. Okay, that's very good. Uh, by the way, FBI's been on my mind a lot lately. We had that uh, uh, the interview with uh, Bob Hergeth from the Sun-Times. That, that, when did that drop? On Sunday, D, right? Uh, Sunday, yeah. Yep. And it's all about the FBI files that you can find in the, at the Sun-Times with the, the files that the FBI kept on prominent Chicagoans. I wrote a story about it for the reader as well. Uh, and so just, it's like the FBI, it, it, it's like double, you know, like two sides of the same body. On one hand, you have these FBI investigators who are cracking down on corruption in the city of Chicago, and they're the lead investigators into things like, you know, uh, Burks, uh, shading dealings, and... And uh, now they got, they're going after Martin Sandoval and uh, uh, Carrie Austin. And then the other the other hand, we have this legacy of the FBI uh, coll collecting f uh, information on all kinds of ordinary citizens uh, and up to no good in the 60s, uh, harassing Martin Luther King, uh, listening to his phone conversations, listening uh, to what he what he's doing in the, his private hotel rooms, uh, sending off the tapes, the, the transcripts of the tapes uh, to people to try to harass Martin Luther King. Really, in one case, they, they wanted to drive him uh, to commit suicide. They were hoping they sent him a letter uh, urging him to commit suicide, calling him a fraud, et cetera, and so forth. And uh, so it's like there's two sides of the FBI. And it's really hard for me as a, a baby boomer who remembers uh, what went down in the 60s and 70s to just like totally divorce myself from that day. I have to admit, uh, 
I'm like, I struggle with this when I hear like, oh, the FBI raided. Good for the FBI. That's great. You know, they're looking at Chicago investing, uh, Chicago corruption. And I think about those files that Bob Hergeth has been collecting uh, here at the Sun-Times. And I'm like, that's two sides of the FBI. Very schizophrenic there. Sounds like a great time to plug our Benny J bonus interviews. Hear that interview with Hergeth, the FBI files at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else. You download your favorite podcast. Ben, what's been your favorite uh, Benny J bonus interview since we've done these? Oh, my absolute favorite. Absolute I mean, favorite. I don't want to like. Yeah, let's do it. I, I mean, I don't, you know, I love them all. Okay. <laughs> you ask me like, which kid do you like best? I love all my kids. But I got to tell you, um, I'm thinking about this. The Alden Lowry interview that we did in June, I want to say. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Alden Lowry is, of course, he's the um, uh, WBEZ editor, and he spends a lot of time studying demographic changes in the city of Chicago. And we just got this wide-ranging conversation about race uh, in the city. We're rough. Well, no, I, I'm older than him, but uh, we, uh, we, 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 it, it was a good conversation about uh, schools and neighborhoods and uh, changes in Chicago. But probably my all-time favorite has nothing to do with politics. It's the one where I gathered uh, the movie geeks into the room, uh, Chris and Chris Buddy and um, uh, Chris oh, Adams yeah. what, what and movie, Sergio what movie Mims. That you were Once about? upon a time in Hollywood, oh, yeah, yeah. four movie geeks. We took the deep dive for over an hour talking about that movie, and uh, people are still downloading that one. And, and, then, and that interview begins with a uh, spoiler alert: don't listen unless you've seen the movie because we uh, talk about the ending. But I guess enough people have seen the um, the movie now; they don't have to worry about it. So anyway, that may be my personal. Oh, Joe Cowley and the Bulls. How can I forget <laughs> oh, that? One? But there's so many yeah. uh, Ben Jarofsky bonus interviews. Go check them out. And this Friday, actually, we're doing a brand new bonus interview special. It's going to be something different. We're going to try it out because our host, Ben Jarofsky, absolutely loves asking people <laughs> trivia questions. Yes, We've decided yeah. to create a brand new uh, special here. We're calling it for 10 trivia points. Mm. We're going to try it out, see how it goes. We got Ramana Hussein of the Chicago Sun-Times going head-to-head with Carrie Reed of the Chicago Reader. Who's smarter, the reader or the <laughs> Chicago Sun-Times, we're going to find out with our show for 10 trivia points. We're going to do it live, too. Uh, we're live streaming on Facebook and on uh, YouTube as well, and it'll be available for download as a Benny J bonus interview. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And also tomorrow, another bonus, we have Dan Savage, uh, Savage Love and the Reader. Many of you read that uh, column for years and years. Uh, Dan Savage will be in the studio for a bonus interview, uh, and we'll be talking politics. Uh, Dan really is very knowledgeable about politics. A lot of Trump talk, obviously. A lot of uh, Dan's always been pushing he's like me in this regards he's been trying to get the democrats to be a little more aggressive uh in attacking donald trump not just roll over and you know and uh, hope it all blows over and the swing voters go our way you know that rom advice uh but uh so it'd be a lot of fun talking to dan savage about politics tomorrow right. and feel free to weigh in on the youtube live stream by the way everybody we got kyle he weighed in here on the live stream chat he says uh about sandoval here let's hope the senators won't be like the aldermen quote we don't tell on each other in this chamber well that you know it's 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 funny you should say that i have not seen that reaction yet uh when you're absolutely correct when the word broke that danny solis was wearing the wire and secretly recording uh, conversations with it 
with Ed Burke. Uh, there was a response from aldermen in the council. They were mad at Danny Solis. You know, they called him a snitch. Oh, how could he betray us? They weren't even mad at Ed Burke, <laughs> who was up to no good. They were mad at Danny Solis. But, you know, in retrospect, uh, I have to say that Danny Solis may have done us all a favor. Should he still get his pension? Mm. Mm. That's, a, that's a tough question, right? Should he still get his pension? Mm. One could argue he did a great service to the city of Chicago by collecting information on Ed Burke. On the other hand, one could also point out that the only reason he wore that wire is because he was up to no good in the first place. So, it's mm. a thinker. <laughs> it's a thinker. I don't know about that one. I'll tell you what's not a thinker and who definitely deserves their pension, the good folks at the Chicago Sun-Times. Hey, Hey, podcast fans, the team at the Sun-Times have a new show to add to your listening lineup. That's right. We have podcast neighbors, Ben. This football season, get the inside scoop on the Chicago Bears with Hallis Intrigue. It's the latest podcast from the Chicago Sun-Times. You can tune in to hear Sun-Times uh, sports and reporters and Bears experts. A ton of them, all right? A lot of them. And you can stay informed this football season. Listen to Hallis Intrigue at suntimes.com forward slash Hallis. And be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Check it out now at suntimes.com forward slash Hallis. That's suntimes.com forward slash H-A-L-A-S. Isn't that right, Robert Mueller? That's correct. <laughs> hey, don't go anywhere. The Ben Drowski Show will be right back and coming up shortly. What's so funny? I love what Robert Mueller weighs in. It was the day after he said that's correct, that Trump was on the phone with the president of Ukraine, getting that president to investigate Biden. Trump never learns. Trump doesn't care. He thinks he could do anything, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? Until now, the Democrats were willing to let him get away with it. They were like, I'm so worried about a swing voter in Michigan. Let him do it. Let him do it. Please vote for us, Democrat swing voter, please. No wonder the Democrats lose so much. Anyway, Nancy Pelosi, no more. Hey, sorry. what are you talking about? No collusion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, don't go anywhere. More of the Benjirovsky show coming up. Monroe Anderson, he's going to be joining us for another Monroe midweek. Midweek with Monroe. Midday. I can't remember what we call it, but it's Monroe Anderson, and he's fantastic. Don't go anywhere. It's the Benjirovsky show live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Cameron Esposito. Everything that I have ever tried to do has had 
two motivations. One is I really do believe in trying to create social change. And then the other one is I'm scared and alone too. So I would like for you to join me. You know, every job that I have, I try to make sure to hold the door open. That's like my uh, motto for, for um, like, if I get through, you're coming with me. And I really, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And uh, especially if I have more privilege than you, like I'm holding the door open for you um, even wider. October 12th to the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th for 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Monroe Anderson is here. He's wearing an outstanding shirt. I love that shirt. Uh, <laughs> and I wish I was wearing that shirt. Let's just put it that way. Um, well, this is a big day for you, Monroe. Yes. Uh, the Democrats have finally. At last. At long last. Yes. Yes. You, I think, uh, may have been uh, hope, uh, calling for an impeachment investigation, impeachment inquiry leading for a vote. I believe from the since the day after Trump was inaugurated. No, 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 no. Oh, did you wait a week? Since the first day of your show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which was all right. That was that which would was have been on a, on a different pl- uh, platform. Everything. Everything was different. Uh, all right. So obviously we're going to be talking about Nancy Pelosi's. The press conference uh, was yesterday. The announcement was yesterday as we were oh, leaving the show. Uh, Monroe, I got your email. Don't worry, I got this song for you. Yeah, that's for you, buddy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, in, 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 in a few months, the one I want you to play for me is "Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. All right. Well, you know as well as I know that this will not end. We'll, we'll hold off on this for a moment. I'm just going to put this out. This will not end with Republicans voting against. You know that. You no, know that. I don't know that. I don't know that. This is what's going to happen. Okay. Well, right now, we are four vo- votes away from um, impeachment inquiry. 214 Democrats have come out for an impeachment inquiry now. It was um, in the past 24 hours, 60-some Democrats have shifted from, oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So worried about those swing voters. (laughs) Exactly. this This is outrageous. Yeah. Hang him. And uh, so how many do you need? I've lost track of how Two, many. 218. They're four away. Four away. Yeah. Okay. So it's a given. All right. So no Republicans are going to join them. Well, I, maybe a, a Moss. They may. And, okay. And he's he's technically an independent, I think, at this yeah, stage. Yeah, no, he but could. Whatever. Okay. All right. We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here because right. ultimately we, we still have to get to the impeachment inquiry. Then we have to get to a vote to impeach, uh, and then you have to have a trial in the Senate, uh, and this will drag out for a long time. We'll be talking about this for a long, long time. Maybe. Um, Probably, but not definitely. Yeah. Because theoretically, the House only has 30 more days on this calendar. 
The yeah. rest of the time they're on vacation right. or having holidays or doing something, but not being in, in D.C. So maybe Speaker Pelosi will cancel vacations and holidays and go full steam ahead on this. Or maybe they'll go into next year with the still going on and um, see how well Trump runs on um, having hearings day in and day out on all his um, corrupt deeds. All right. Uh, so let's just start a little bit like, yes, what happened yesterday is catch people up because it's, it's two things, major things have happened uh, within not even 24 hours. The first was, as I said, our three o'clock or so our time, yeah. our two o'clock, uh, uh, the word broke that Nancy Pelosi had called for an inquiry. Uh, then today, uh, Donald Trump, the White House, released a transcript. Well, actually, it's a memo, not a transcript. Oh, it's not a pure. I mean, they're, they're saying it's a transcript. But as usual, they're lying. Valid point. Talk about the distinction. Okay. The distinction is um, somebody has recorded what we're doing now, Mm -hmm. and they type it and give it to you verbatim. Yeah. Versus somebody listens to what we say and then write a summary of what we said. Okay. Now, I see. So this is, although it reads when you, have you read it? I've actually been reading it in in between breaks while we were in the show. It sounds a lot like Donald Trump. I'm just going to start off. Oh, it is Donald Trump. Yeah, right. Uh, Here we go. This is, this is, I mean, this sounds like, when I'm reading this, uh, it sounds, this this one section, I just went to this one section. Um, I heard you had a prosecutor who was very good and he was shut down and that's really unfair. A lot of people are talking about that, the way they shut your very good prosecutor down and you had some very bad people time out time out you're sounding too intelligent (laughs) put on your dumb voice yeah dumb it down a bit that's just so trump though just think about that how the repetition of certain words good because i heard you had a prosecutor who was very good and he was shut down and that's really unfair a lot of people are talking about that the way they shut your very good prosecutor down and you had some very bad people involved Good, shut down, bad. Right. You know what I mean? It's just oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's Donald Trump. Trump. Okay, oh no, so this. Wait, is, here we go. Here we go. Okay, Mr. Giuliani is a highly respected man. Right, he was the mayor of New York City, a great mayor, and I would like to have him call you. Right. <laughs> that sounds like Donald oh, no, it's Trump. Trump. It's Trump. It's Trump. No, what they did was, first of all, they have more than one person listening in on these calls yeah. and taking notes. And so they've, they've, they've combined them. And that's why it's not a transcript, because um, in, in, in my taking them down and your taking them down, we may have heard things differently. I may have missed a word or two. You may have missed a word or two. So they combine it. All right. Now. Uh, but you, it's basically what it's, went down. Which went down. Do you think when you did you read this? Do you have a chance to read this? I've, I've, I've had it read to me okay. by people, various people <laughs> in MSNBC. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, all right. I've uh, read this. The, the, the key parts. Uh, do you think there was there's anything that was kept out of it? In other words, you, you're, you're suggesting that a diff, you, by talking about a difference between a transcript uh, and notes, do you think that something has been omitted? I don't know. I don't know. This is why we need the whistleblower there um, talking, and we need them to release a tape, Trump to release a tape. Um, they're going to get the whistleblower. I'm not sure they're getting the, the release of the Is um, there a tape? Um, yeah, of, of the recording, yeah, I think so. 
They don't know for sure, but they think there is. I just, I just don't know. I've not seen that. If, is there exactly? If the, that would be. Uh, but <laughs> then the issue becomes: Did they doctor the tape? Anything right. is exactly. possible with Donald Trump. Exactly. But the thing is, I mean, what's so silly about this, as far as I'm concerned, is we're arguing about. Um, whether the transcript is this way or Tate would be that way or the whistleblower would be that way. Trump has admitted to the crime. Yeah. Um, Giuliani has, uh, has admitted to the crime. So it's no question that it was committed. And so instead of the Democrats um, going on with the hand wringing about how we need more evidence, and that's you know it's like the body's there. Here's a smoking gun right here. <laughs> and here's a confession. Exactly. Right. And Trump said, "I shot him on Fifth Avenue." Yeah, so, yeah I did it. So exactly. what? Right. Exactly. I do it again. Right. He got in the way of my bullet. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, <laughs> yeah, and it was finally too much for the Democrats. But, and by the way, this all, this has happened so fast. I don't even know this. It broke the last week when you were here. I don't think the whistleblower had emerged. No. So this is the story, of course, that broke everybody when out of nowhere it emerged that there had been a whistleblower complaint lodged by some unknown employee of the federal right. government right. who contended that Donald Trump had crossed the line right. in his private conversation with the president of Ukraine. It was an urgent um, urgent request or something. I forget the term they use. But it means it needs immediate attention. The the, the complaint needs yes. immediate attention, yes. immediate investigation. The whistleblower. The whistleblower. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, and uh, and the it, the whistleblowers um, report was or this news of the whistleblowers report uh, was released by Democratic Democratic congressmen who were at demanding that the White House turn over the whistleblowers report. Right. They've not turned over the whistleblowers. Well, Trump's initial, you know, classic Trump. His initial response was, well. Um, there was somebody who turned it over, but they were a partisan Democrat. <laughs> and we don't even know if he knew who the whistleblower was. But obviously, if they were going to uh, say something bad about him, they were partisan. Because mm -hmm. you know, there's no such thing as a patriotic yeah. uh, bureau uh, bureaucrat. By the way, this like reminds that. me, so much has happened about Donald Trump. But if we go back, remember, there was, I think it was an article in the New York Times by some unnamed White House yeah. aide yeah. who said that we routinely, like, change, bury stuff that Trump wants us to do because we know it's unlawful or unconstitutional right. or just bad policy. Remember this? Right. It caused a furor. Right. It was investigating who was this person right. that, you know, he wrote as anonymously. We still don't know who it was. Well, yeah, except I think it was... Um not a he, but a she. You think it was a she? Yeah. You think it was Ivanka? No. No, just kidding. No, 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 no. Uh, I, no they, um, <laughs> God, I'm forgetting her name. The blonde who has lies all the time for him. Um, oh, no, it was not Kellyanne. Kellyanne. No I think it was way. Kelly. Yes. Oh, my way. goodness. No way. No way. <laughs> no, seriously. In, in the books that have been written to date, yeah. they have her, they talk about various writers. Yeah. Talk about how she was complaining about the leaks 
as she was leaking. Yeah. And she'd be on the phone leaking. Then she'd come off and go on the air and complain about how people were leaking in, in Trump's thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that person was But Anyway, there's this history, what I'm saying, there's this history yeah. of people in the White House who take it upon themselves to try to keep Donald Trump from doing insanity, doing right. insane things. And so right. this is just sort of... Well, they can't keep him from doing insane things, but, but they try to keep his uh, insanity contained enough where it doesn't destroy the yeah. country or the world. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, but in this particular case, they couldn't stop him from making the phone call. He did it, Monroe. Again, I can't get over this. The day after Oh, yeah, Robert because Mueller. he got away from his perspective. The problem with Trump is all his life, he's been a poor little rich boy who has suffered no consequences, no major consequences. But he's never, his problem is why his ego is so messed up, is because he's never been accepted by the really rich in New York or by anybody because everybody knows he's a buffoon. You know, I mean, he, be try, he tried to become a, a major an NFL league owner, team owner, and they didn't let him do it. You yeah. know, they, they wouldn't let him in their club. The closest club he got to being in was the WWF. Yeah, no, he was also with the U. I don't know if you remember. There's the rival league. Yeah, I, I've right, talked exactly. about this many times. Yeah. You should watch a documentary about how he destroyed that rival league. Right. Yeah, uh, but anyway, so continue with your. Uh, yeah. So he's the 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 man's ego is is like severely damaged. Mm-hmm. His his self percept. He he's, he's a self hater who compensates by um, attacking everybody else. You notice he projects a lot of stuff. Um, you know, Biden is a crook when really he's the crook. Hillary is, um, is the puppet, Putin's puppet, when really he's Putin's puppet. I mean, whatever it is, whenever, whenever he attacks somebody, um, if you watch his actions and... and um, Think about it. He's usually projecting. It's actually what he is that he's projecting onto someone else. So how, what is the chief projection going to be uh, in the aftermath of releasing uh, the transcript? Oh, his, he's done that already. He's already he, he, he's saying that um, it, it, it proves that he's innocent, that it was like a it was a cheery conversation between them. Where they praised each other, they love each other. Well, they did. There was a lot of that going on in this right. conversation. Well, you know, I know this is the thing. This is the problem with this, is that um, the the uh, Ukraine needs American support because um, Putin took Crimea, and they're still, they're in a low, a, a shooting war with Russia right now. Mm-hmm. So they need the weapons. And Trump uh, held up the money. Yeah. And then he right called this, this guy, conversation. Right, 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 before, right, right before this conversation and right after um, the Mueller report. Yeah. Trump held up $400 million we were supposed to give him. And... Um, Mysteriously, and then he gets on the phone and he has a conversation, and so the new, pre- newly elected president of the Ukraine has to suck up to Trump. Yes, and so that's what he's doing. He knows, like everybody else in the world who has a um, double-digit IQ, knows that if you want to get to Trump, you compliment him. Yeah, 
You're friendly with him. You're his, old, you're his buddy. You want him in your club. And then you get stuff from him. Yeah, and that is exactly what the Ukrainian president does. President does a lot of sucking up to Donald Trump. Right. Uh, and he, I, it's at this point, I'm not quite sure who sucks up to Donald Trump more: the president of Ukraine or Vice President Michael Pence. It's really close in my mind. Like who speaks more highly of the president when talking to him directly? Oh, no, no, no. Pence, Pence, Pence is is, is like. The king of the sucker uppers. <laughs> he's the champ. He, he's a master. He's a master. He's master yeah, right. art. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, you're absolutely correct. Uh, Donald Trump uh, withheld the money, then has the conversation, extols the virtues of the president of uh, Ukraine. The Ukraine extols the virtues and, and, of and, Donald and, Trump. And of course. Um, the reason there's this problem to begin with is because President Obama um, just gave the Ukraine to, to Putin. Oh, yeah. That, it's well, Obama's okay, yeah. fault. Yeah, that's not literally what Monroe thinks, but that's Monroe's... <laughs> yeah, uh, this is Trump's explanation. And then, and then Trump says to him, and it's, straight, it's like out of The Godfather, where it's, it's veiled. He goes, there's right. things we could do for you. Right. It's straight out of The Godfather. Right. There's exactly. things oh, we could do You're, for you. Exactly. I got an offer you can't refuse. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, things we could do for you. Right. Right. And there's things you could do for us right exactly and then, and then he mentions biden i thought you know he'd be slick and he wouldn't mention biden right, right. I, I, you he, know. he's not a slick bone in the man's body <laughs> that's what he's about he's yeah. not about being slick yeah. he made sure it was biden that's my favorite part uh biden right you know, right. not booted right. right. get confused and start investigating the wrong no, and, 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 and warren no, right no, and, not and, warren. and hillary too <laughs> no, we would talk about this further with the tiba trump is obsessed with biden obsessed with Biden because the, Biden they, there have been 70 some polls and Biden has beaten him in every last yeah. one 70 polls Biden wins yeah. Trump loses and it, and here's the thing Monroe pretty much everybody that comes in this room yeah all right it's it, well oh there's a generational line let me put it everybody below the age of 50 yeah will cannot bring and they're all lefties yeah. I mean, we get all democrats on this show yeah and all, every single one of them is like either uh vehemently against biden yeah. you know what i'm saying right uh or at best they'll concede he might be a good candidate okay then you get the people above the age of 50 who like Biden, but they're embarrassed to say they like Biden. Their yeah. voice literally drops right. when they mention Biden's right. name. Like, I'm Biden. They're ashamed that they're for Biden. I always tell them. I'm speaking of my dear friend Linda out there. She knows I'm talking about her. If you're for Biden, say it loud right. and be proud. Right. That's your guy, right? Right. right. And uh, then you get into the racial divide. It. it, it Generally, the people who are unafraid to say they're for Biden are older black people. Right. You know this as well as I yeah, do. Right. Until their kids get a hold of them. Right. Then their kids start talking. And even the older black people are going, no, I've been talking to my son. And I, 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 I won't. I, and then they get that. You know, but, but no, this is the problem <laughs> for Trump is that the, the disappearing, transferring old white men who went for Trump 
could go with Biden. Yeah, I like and Joe. That's what, yeah, right. He's like, Joe's one of us. <laughs> Trump is a fake one of us. He's pretending like he's one of the people. Joe, Joe, and Joe, Joe's one of us. And that's what Trump has his base. And if he loses that base, boom. But see, this whole thing is predicated on the Rom Trump view of the upcoming election, which I guess they share. And that is that the election will come down to voters who voted for Barack Obama in 2012 and they voted for Donald Trump in 2016. Which which way will they go? It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter what your kids do. It doesn't matter what my kids do. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter uh, what what our next guest, Kelly, it doesn't matter what anybody does. It's coming down to a handful of swing voters. And they're the Trump's mind they could go for Biden. Right. And so he's afraid of, of Joe Biden. Right. right. But if, if you pay any attention to the polls whatsoever, then you will notice that um, Elizabeth Warren can beat Trump. She's beating Trump. Your boy Bernie's beating Trump. Uh, <laughs> Kamala Harris is tying with Trump. I mean, is she? Yeah. I haven't seen that yeah. poll. Why isn't she beating? She should be mopping the floor with yeah, Trump. You know, I think she has a... a, a, a well, one thing, she's been spending all her time raising money instead yeah. of campaigning, uh, actually being out there pr- pressing the flesh. But the other thing is, I think she has an authenticity problem. You know, yeah. she has, like like Hillary, she has that phony laugh. Or it's, or it's not phony, but... You come force, with that. Come on, force, you said force, it. No, force, maybe. I don't okay. know if it's phony or yeah. not. You know, but, uh, but it doesn't sound... All right. It's been a while since I had any of the Kamala Kool-Aid. Let's put that uh, to the side. But yeah. this obsession, Trump. And the one thing it reminds me about, and you'll know this because you're the only uh, old person out here that old enough to remember this. Uh, none of your younger listeners will know this. But back in 1969, Richard Nixon was obsessed with Ted Kennedy. He's yes. obsessed with the Kennedys in general. Right. And uh, two Kennedys have been killed. Bobby Kennedy and John Kennedy. And the third surviving Kennedy p- p- politician was Senator Ted Kennedy right. from Massachusetts. And Nixon was so afraid that Ted Kennedy would be the nominee in 1972, and that Ted Ke- Kennedy had the accident at Chappaquiddick. They immediately send investigators from the Nixon White House. This is how much has changed, Monroe. Nixon was behind the scenes doing that. He wasn't openly proclaiming like Donald Trump does. You know? Well, no, no, no. no. To be fair to, to Trump. Oh my God! Could be fair. Right. This he was will be on, interesting coming out he, of Monroe's mouth. He was on a telephone conversation, not before Mike, and that's his idea of being private. I see. And discreet. Okay, uh, but anyway, this utter obsession that Donald Trump has with Joe Biden, yes. where uh, he was having, and so he, in his mind, he must believe that Joe Biden is the only Democrat who can beat him. No, he doesn't believe he's the only one. But right now, that's who he's focused on because he's beating him so badly. In most of those polls, not all, but in most of those polls, Biden is beating Trump double digit. So there's no margin of error there. I mean, that's that's, that's just a can of whoop ass being open. So what do you think, uh, going back to the um, the phone conversation uh, with the president of the Ukraine. What do you think is different about what went down there than what went down in all the other examples of uh, Trump treachery? Why is this? Well, one? okay, now this, okay, this, this is what we have. First of all, this Ukraine gate is um, 
Russia 2.0. It's the second version. It's basically, Trump colluded with the Russians mm-hmm. to get elected in 2016. And by colluded, I mean, they, he didn't, they, they weren't coordinating, maybe. Well, I mean, we'll see. But it hasn't been proven that they were actually coordinating. But it was that they were managing to read each other's moves or it was, you know, like the Russia, if you hear me get Hillary's email, Hillary's email, um, Trump was a citizen then. And that was history. Mm-hmm. Trump is now the president. And you have the president of the United States saying, can you help a brother out? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite say it exactly like that. <laughs> Didn't quite say it exactly like that, my girl. <laughs> right. And so they go, damn. <laughs> this man has all the power in the world, and he's using it against his political opponent now for next year there's no more of this well it happened and maybe it didn't happen I mean this is blatant in your face yeah. extortion and that that was a that that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back and even Nancy Pelosi had to say enough right you know exactly uh enough my guest is Monroe Anderson we're talking uh Monroe's doing like a mini victory lap uh although uh, as uh, I can't remember which uh listener was pointed out you're a little late Monroe well uh, no 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 I'm not late the Democrats are late. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, was on time they, they should have done this July 4th of this year they've uh, wasted a good five months yeah uh, but wasn't there also a prediction somewhere down the line, not to uh, embarrass you with your predictions, that Donald Trump himself would step down? Am I imagining that prediction? D, was there no, a prediction like no, that? No, the prediction was that either he'd be impeached or step down. I see. Yes. All right. And you. it's still time for him to step down. Too. Uh, uh, well, I, I do not believe that's going to happen. When we come back, we're going to talk about the political fallout, the political fight uh, that is ahead of us. Monroe Anderson on the show. We'll be right back after this. Here you go, Monroe. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. Ben, who is that piano player you love? Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. 
and listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F, M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Oh, yeah, that's his name, Jeff Manuel. Ben Jarofsky Show, hour number two for Wednesday, September 25th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for sponsoring our program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, September 25th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. We welcome back host of Humanity in the Headlines, co-host Atiba Buchanan, and we welcome University of Chicago nurse Kelly Keene. And now your host, owner of three Nancy Pelosi lunchboxes, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi. I was on the Nancy Pelosi bandwagon long before it was fashion. Boy, did I get abuse from my friends of the leftist persuasion, the Tebow Buchanan. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. Uh, you are looking. You are looking so dapper. Uh, people who are watching us on the YouTube live stream. Look at that, man. You right. got the cufflinks, got Thank the tie. You, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, was there a job interview or something? No, or is this it... strictly for Ben J. Okay. Baby. Yep. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, big day, of course. Uh, Nancy Pelosi yesterday came out and said she's ready to launch the official inquiry. Enough messing around and waiting, dilly-dallying, yep. worrying about swing voters in Michigan and Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, let's take, let's go on the attack. And then Donnie Trump uh, in the White House releases not a transcript, but what? Uh, memo, I guess. A memo. Of, a memo. A memo a of memo. what Trump was said, uh, what Trump has said. And uh, obviously a line. And, and the reason he did that is because the U.S. Senate voted 100 Every senator said, release the thing. 
So, okay. But he did not release the thing. Right. The thing would be an official transcript sanctioned by notarized and, uh, or better yet, a tape uh, or in, a, in conjunction with the transcript. Tebow, what line has been crossed here? Well, this is different um, than, than what was done with the Mueller report. And it's, it's real simple. This is digestible. The Mueller report was so layered, so many strings, so many moving parts to keep up with that the average person who was not steeped into politics, it was just mind blowing and overwhelming. People need to, and especially in politics, it needs to be something that's simple. And finally, this is, this is the thing uh, that is simple and it is digestible. He asked a foreign country to, to uh, investigate what he assumed would be his political opponent for 2020. Um, and, he, and he did so by dangling aid. Um, and, and, it's, and it's almost irrefutable because he's admitted to at least asking for the aid from a foreign country. We can't forget, he interviewed with George Papadopoulos just a few months ago, and he said on camera that he would welcome, again, foreign help in another election. He said, who would call the FBI? That's not how the world works, George. No, that's not what you I would Stephanopoulos. do. Stephanopoulos. Yeah, yeah George Stephanopoulos. You're right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, he interviewed with him. He said that. So we. So now we see, first, it was kind of hypothetical, you know, because, again, Stephanopoulos hit him with the hypothetical. But now we see it actually happening, the literal, and he is doing it, and he is guilty of it, and he's admitted it. Um, so, again, and the, and the average person now can actually understand it. And I think that is the difference, is that this is something digestible. Keep in mind, too, this is the biggest gift the Democrats could have asked for in so much as if you remember and we have short memories right before this happened the talk of the town was the debacle of a hearing with Corey Lewandowski yeah we talked about that and Democrats were looking very very inept so they they got they got a gift with this and also Nancy was not going to go through with the impeachment at all, she just was. She was throwing. She was throwing wet tiles on it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you couldn't blame her because yeah, look right. how look how they handled Lewandowski. Right. I would I wouldn't have put my neck out there for that either. Right. Well, right. Now, okay. Before we go into how they're going to handle this latest, what do you think were the shortcomings of Lewandowski uh, hearing? They didn't have a plan. Um, it's almost as if they they. It seems like Democrats operate in a different reality sometimes. To the average person, it, it appeared to me that it would be obvious that he was going to be a hostile witness. Corey Lewandowski, the former political aide to Donald Trump. Go ahead. Campaign manager. Campaign. Oh, yes, correct. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you you know, we've all watched Law and Order. We've seen <laughs> him say, Your Honor, permission to treat the witness as hostile. And they should have been prepared for that. Half of the people in Congress are lawyers. So I, I was just wholly disappointed. But not their, Goodwoods. That's right, the problem. That's why exactly. they went to politics. Exactly. So I was just wholly disappointed in, in what appears to be a lack of preparedness. Why would you why would you think when I say they operate in a different reality, they, they literally thought they were going to get this guy in front of them and he was going to just answer their questions as they were asked. And no, that's he made it. I mean, so it's either they either stonewall and don't come before Congress or they come before Congress and don't answer and don't answer any questions. And the Democrats to date, there's not a single witness, including Bob Mueller, that they've been able to extrapolate some type of momentum from from appearing in front of Congress. Well, they got Lewandowski when they brought a professional yeah, sure. um, prosecutor in or at the end. A, prof- a, a working lawyer, a, a I working say. lawyer. Yeah, right. Working Somebody lawyer. who could think on his feet. 
and and was not worried about a soundbite and was not worried about advancing his political right. career. And they exactly. should have opened with that. Right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right. I said that last week. Yes, he did. Because that was last week. Right. La- that was, things have that's changed what, that's so what I mean. much. That's what I mean. It was just a week ago that that's what we were discussing. And now it's all this. So Democrats should really count their, their lucky stars with this yeah. one. Well, I've, I, if I know one thing about my beloved Democratic Party, and I've been a Democrat my whole life, mm-hmm. they can screw anything up. Yeah. Atiba and Monroe, they could screw it up. Yep. They're too cautious. They're too scared. They listen to the ROMs of the world. Yep. And uh, they drop the ball. So what are they going to do? You've got, you're absolutely correct. You, we have... It's okay, not a transcript, but we have an account they, of what the president said where he was dangling aid in exchange for dirt on Biden. We have that on. Uh, well, so, I, you know, I, I think Lewandowski pimp slapped him so badly mm-hmm. that they came to, they, they, they woke up, they became woke. And so now they're, they're developing a plan. I mean, part of, if you'll notice, there were the, the seven um, Congress people. All, all with um, security clearances, who wrote the um, editorial in the Washington Post, saying that they were they were weren't for impeachment, but but they are now for security reasons and patriotic reasons and what have you. So that set it up, that teed it up for what has followed, and that was a couple of days ago. So now, I mean, so now they have a plan. They they build a crescendo, a movement. Um, as I said earlier in this show, now they're in the last 24 hours or so, there have been 60 some Democrats who said who have changed their minds and said they're now for impeachment. The other thing, too, is that Donald Trump made two very critical mistakes in, in the uh, memo that was released today. Um, and those th- those two mistakes are Rudy, Giuli- Rudy Giuliani and William Barr, because Rudy Giuliani is a private citizen. There is no reason for him to be out there representing the United States in any foreign diplomacy at all. Uh, he even went on Fox News to say that he was called by the State Department, and he said that as if that would um, vindicate him. Right. But it actually is even worse if, right. if, pr- proven, if proven true. Uh, and William Barr, who was supposed to be the Attorney General of the United States, now again— He another, is the Attorney General of the United right, States. Yeah. Right. And now he is once again proving himself to be Trump's lawyer, because Trump is even saying in this investigation, the point people will be Rudy Giuliani and William Barr. And yeah, that, that yeah. those two things are just completely no, he, out of bounds. And the Democrats are calling for him, Barr, to recuse himself. <laughs> We've been down this exactly, road before. Right, exactly. Uh, right. All right. All right. So, uh, by the way, so what, what I, I missed this thing. What did Giuliani say? He got called by the State Department? Yeah, what was he did. That? What does so, that mean? Well, the so, State Department sent him over there. I see. So yeah. why is that's his excuse? Yeah, because he's a, a, a civilian, mm-hmm. it's a, it begs the obvious question, why are you even out there at all? Because you don't work for the White House. And, he, and his answer was, oh, it's simple. I just I got called by the State Department. They're the ones that called me to ask me to go over there. And so how is that bad for Trump? He's still a civilian. 
Um, if, if you feel like that there should be an investigation into Joe Biden or his son for whatever happened in Ukraine or did not happen, then there are avenues that you can take to follow that investigation appropriately. Not your we, personal attorney. Right. We have things, you know, we have an apparatus <laughs> called, I don't know, the FBI yeah. <laughs> that, that he could have that he could have engaged. He could have he could have done it um, again. And it's something that had the appearance of propriety. But instead, he decided to put the new Michael Cohen, because that's what Rudy Giuliani is, the new Michael Cohen, his new fixer on the job yeah. and that is a big problem because again this isn't this isn't a domestic issue stormy daniels okay that's a domestic issue happening here you can cap you can kind of have your personal attorney have handle that obviously not so much because michael cohen's in jail yes wow but, <laughs> think about that for a moment right, right. i always like to think about that but to have ahead. your personal attorney mm-hmm. out there representing the united states talking to ukraine it, it, it's beyond the pale and uh so uh and also donald trump the, in, in the transcript, I keep calling it a transcript. In the memo, uh, it's very blatant. He goes, I'll hook you up with uh, Attorney General Barr. Right. It's, it, Except the Republicans, <laughs> his de- Republican defenders are saying, well, this is nothing here. He doesn't, he's, he, 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 he's not asking for anything. I mean, it, because he didn't do it. Explicitly. Explicitly. What did he not do explicitly? Well, no. Well, for, 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 I mean, what? Do you, the, I'm with he you, did, yeah. No, he did not say, I'll give you the $400,000. there's things we can if do. You do this. Yeah, right. It, it literally, do this. Well, by the way, this is, again, one more time, not a transcript, but yeah. this is a summary right, exactly. of what he said. It sure sounds like Donald Trump. There are uh, things we can well, do say, for you well, the day well, after. Well, well, you see, you are a thinking man. So, all right. So let's deal with the Republican response. Yes. And uh, big difference between the, uh, this and what went down when Monroe and I were young men uh, and with Watergate yeah. is that there were uh, members of the Republican Party. Uh, who were like good government Republicans? Who they, put who put country over party? Yeah, yeah, and and they had a, they were following values and ethics. I'm thinking of Lowell Weicker. They're good government Republicans. It's a it's a it is a species that is pretty much just extinct now. We do well, not have anything resembling that, and there are no Republicans that I know of. And correct me if I'm wrong, Atiba and Monroe. There are no Republicans that I know of uh, that are out front saying. Uh, that this warrants an investigation. Already you're telling Mitt, me... Mitt Romney, Romney Mitt. is clearing his throat. Okay. He has a said <laughs> it, <Jim, but> <laughs> <laughs> So... That's correct. Yeah. So the Republican counterpoint, what will the Republican uh, counterattack be to defend Donald Trump on this? That's the thing, Ben. I, I don't know. Because I don't, I don't, I don't reasonably know... What it could be. The only thing that they can continue to do is kind of parrot some of the things that maybe William Barr says and and that, you know, if he did it, he's the president and that makes it legal. He can kind of make that. I guess they can try and make that argument, the same Article 2 argument that Donald Trump makes. But again, you, you can't defend the main thing, which is Rudy Giuliani and his admission of his involvement. You can't defend it. It's indefensible. And I think when you asked earlier, what's different? That's one of the things that's completely different is that this is so much easier to prove. Um, so, I, again, I, I don't know how they I don't know how they reasonably defend it. I really don't. Well, right now, what they're doing is they're talking about Biden. All right. And it's a bogus. It's a bogus so charge. Yeah. But now, I mean, they're insisting as they as they have done with the um, 
hold um, Mueller report, uh, they they want to investigate the investigators on the Mueller report with Biden. They're saying, why are you talking about this stuff that um, the president did when you're not talking about what Biden did? He tried to get a he got a billion dollars or something. And it's all a lie. I mean, it, literally, I mean, it's been it's, it's been debunked. Well, here's but why they, I, they, they pushed the lie. Yeah, here's why it isn't comparable. Because whatever Joe Biden did, he was doing on the behalf of the United States, right. not on the behalf of Joe Biden. Right. So that's that's what that's where the comparison loses its its hold. Because again, yeah, he had a quid pro quo, but it was to say he was speaking on behalf of President Obama and the Obama administration. Uh, he wasn't speaking on behalf of Joe Biden for personal gain. Right. Donald Trump it, clearly, again, his whole that's what makes this so great because again, he was only doing this not for not for any benefit of the United States, right. strictly for his own upcoming election. And it's irrefutable. Well, you just except they they the Republicans use false equivalencies day in and day out. Day. And so that's what they're doing. They're saying, well, uh, what about Biden? And that I, I, you just answered my question. That's what we're going to hear a lot of uh, coming down the stretch. We're yep. going to hear a lot of what about Biden. Right. Uh, and so my guess is that uh, the, um, uh, the, the Republican, there will be not one Republican of consequence in this country who will say, what about the president of the United States? Right. Every Republican in this country will be saying, what about uh, Biden, 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 Biden. I think they're welcome to say it, uh, Ben, but I just don't see it. I, I just I see it losing fizzle really quick because even, like I'm, uh, as you say that, I'm thinking about Hillary Clinton and her servers. And yeah, it, she shouldn't have had the servers. Like, speaking as a Democrat, there was some there there. Was it as big a deal as Republicans made it sound? Of course not. But the, but you could argue that that the reason she had the servers was because she felt like she was above it, that she didn't have to play by the rules. So there was some there there. There is, as Monroe stated, there is no there there <laughs> when it comes to Joe Biden and his son. Because you can't, it's like, again, I hate to keep referencing TV, but it's like, it's like trying to prove a murder. You have to have motive and opportunity and means. And there is no motive for Joe Biden to have, to have tried to extort anything out of Ukraine because what he was trying to do was get rid of a prosecutor that wasn't doing his job. And if he got in a, a more stringent prosecutor, if anything, that could have made things worse for his son, not better. So, again, if you if you can't tie together and that motive. dated his son. His son wasn't even in office mm -hmm. when it happened. Right. But, you know, but what's really interesting about this, and it's not discussed enough as far as I'm concerned, is they're accusing um, Hunter Biden uh, of and his father having this um, business deal in a foreign country. In the meantime, the Trump boys are all over the world oh, yeah. cutting deals uh, to enrich themselves. <laughs> and don't forget the Trump girl, because she's yeah, right. the, and the girl. Yeah. yeah, that's true. The Trump children. I'm sorry. Yes. I, I, I didn't mean to be misogynistic on that. Yeah, the, the, the Trump children are out there running amok, yeah. making all kind of money and cutting all kind of deals. And that there's this one instance with Biden. So it's definitely, again, a false equivalent. All right. Now, you mentioned Biden. Let's get into uh, Joe Biden for a moment. Uh, TV, before, uh, before you came on the show, I was uh, uh, going on one of my favorite riffs about um, 
the peculiarity of Joe Biden in this current primary. And it, it, I know my show trends uh, left, but most of my guests that come on the show um, don't have much nice to say about Joe Biden. Uh, Monroe was as close as I come to somebody who said something nice about Joe Biden. And he's even been backing off off, off of that lately. Uh, so, you know, no, I, I said, I, 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 I like Joe, one. but I think Elizabeth is better. That's basically my position. Okay. I, I'm the only one who says anything nice about Joe Biden, uh, by and large. Uh, and yet Donald Trump is utterly obsessed with Joe Biden. It's pretty clear by now. Uh, so, what would your recommendation to be to the Joe Biden campaign? His name is is if anything, it's it's an advantage. I mean, they're just saying the name Biden, Biden, Biden. On the one hand, you could see it. Yeah, I got some, I got some advice. I got Go some ahead. advice for him here. You need to watch out for Elizabeth Warren. You can't get ahead of yourself. That's 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 the advice. Right. Because in every right. poll, right. Elizabeth, in, in places that he was leading, she's either leading or in places that he had a big lead. Now he has a, a substantially smaller lead. Uh, and I think she's ahead in Iowa. Uh, so, you know, again, with those primaries coming up, he needs to be more worried about, again, getting out of the primary before he gets, you know, he can't put the cart before the horse. And the latest poll has her edging him out in uh, New Hampshire. Sure. Yep. Oh, I... I always thought that Joe Biden. I mean, She's surging. Yeah, I always thought that Joe Biden would was essentially waiting for the South. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for the black vote to right. save him. Right. right, that's his only hope. Right, and just my sense. South of Carolina. It. Right. Yeah. Well, black vote in general. The older black vote. Well, I think South Carolina is one of the earlier primaries. Yeah, right? one of the earlier primaries. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But, but the, the problem he has is that uh, Warren has been methodically. Building. I mean, yes. Her, she has been so professional and so good about this. It's, it, 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 it's a marathon, and she's been running it as such. Well, and she has I, way fewer gaffes. Like you, you, like we're not hearing every other week about something crazy she said or messed up or misspoke. Uh, she's just she's running a very clean campaign, and she's outraising everybody. Well, what what, what I meant was uh, in terms of Biden, this would apply to uh, Elizabeth Warner, whoever the Democratic nominee is. Uh, how do you deal with the issue of Biden and his son? Do you give it credence? Do you try to uh, point out, go down why these absurd allegations? Do you uh, go? Do you, do you handle it the way Trump would do it? Go into counterattack? Do you mock the media for raising the subject? How, in your opinion, do you deal with? I just- think he'd have a much bigger problem if Republicans were in charge of the House, and then they were able to open up bogus investigations. But that isn't the case. There's a difference between, you know, again, uh, the Senate Intel Committee or some other committee trying to open an investigation into him and Donald Trump tweeting about it. Those are two different things. The people that are appreciating Donald Trump's tweets are going to appreciate him anyway because they're his followers. He is not going to win over independence and good thinking people with just his tweets because there's no there there. So I don't think he has a whole hell of a lot to worry about. I'm sorry if I can't say that. Yeah, you get well, out of this. And it's Elizabeth, a podcast. Right. Okay. right. <laughs> and Elizabeth Warren is so smart. Right. That she's not saying anything about it. She's trying to stay with, uh, about Biden. She's trying to stay as far away from that as she possibly can. Yeah. Well, she's focusing. No, she came out very strong uh, on in terms of Impeach the him. need to impeach Trump. Right. Yeah, she's right. Been no, very I'm, talking clear about about with, I'm talking about with Biden. Yeah. I mean, she's not. She, you know, um, if had 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 that been Trump, um, let's, well, this is difficult. But let's say instead of it being um, Elizabeth Warren, it being a Trump-like character in second place, they would be attacking Biden. 
Her, her, By the uh, way, the you Democrat. guys keep, yeah, you keep saying Elizabeth Warren. Isn't Bernie right up there too, as well as Elizabeth he's Warren? He's fading. He's fading. He's he's fading. leading in some in some states and in some areas, <laughs> he, he's but like nationally, the, he's, he's fading. Yeah, he's like the witch of witch of the West, yeah, where he got Rose. a bucket full of water. And I don't, I don't, I say, hey, I don't, I don't say that lightly because you know I'm a Bernie bro. <laughs> yeah. But nationally, yeah, yeah, he's fading. He's I, he's losing ground to Buttigieg. I, no way. Yes. No. Yes. Oh my God! Yeah, right. He's about to end the show right now. Exactly. He's not even. And Yang is on the ascendancy. No way. He's not even losing to Harris. He's losing to Buttigieg. That's what he's. I'm telling you. I do not believe that. I got to see that one. Again, a lot of Bernie voters are are again probably beginning to side with Elizabeth Warren because maybe you know you can believe that whatever whatever he was for, she was for, and she's a safe bet for them. Okay, I'll just say this. We're a tangent here, but I I'm always gonna have some love for Bernie. He took the hard stand All long right, before I, I, it was fashionable. I love, I love Bernie too, but just not a Bernie bro. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. I, I love I, I love the fact that he was there in he 2016, there. and he he kept Hillary from drifting to the center. He kept her to the left. Well, it took and, a long struggle to get her to do that. Oh uh, yeah, I know exactly. Remember and, John Lewis saying, "We don't need uh, a free education for people. That's a promise yeah, we shouldn't make." So. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No. So he he introduced all this stuff, but um, t- again, to me, he comes off as a grouchy old man yelling, "Get off my lawn!" All right, all right. Enough on Bernie. Stop <laughs> picking on Bernie. Uh, all right, Atiba here. <laughs> Monroe is so hard on Bernie, isn't he? Uh, all right. Bye, bye, Bernie. Yeah. Says Monroe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Atiba. <laughs> Atiba, here's the deal now. Democrats, I started off the show by having making fun of Democrats. I love making fun of Democrats. They're so cautious. They're so bizarre the way they play the political game. They're ferocious when they're fighting each other. Like here in yeah. the city of Chicago, they go after each other. You yeah, know, when, uh, when they're getting rid of uh, Al, Al Franken. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, okay, they are. That's a whole different thing, uh, Al Franken. But uh, although I was leading the charge in that one, but let's just put Al Franken to the side for the moment. Um, I was never a big Al Franken fan. But... Uh, but when it comes to dealing with Republicans on a national level, they're very cautious, yep. very chicken. They pretend as though there's a bipartisanship that doesn't ex- not only doesn't exist, has not existed since 19... 19- 2008. Oh, go ahead. No, 1980. <laughs> okay? When the Democrats and Republicans cut a deal on, quote-unquote, a tax break for the rich, when Dan Rasikowski and Ronald Reagan cut that deal. So that's the last significant bipartisanship I can think of. Maybe there, some of our listeners will come up with something that happened to me. Oh, wait, the crime bill during the Clinton era, which nobody in the Democratic Party wants anything to do with. So there really hasn't been any bipartisanship in the 21st century, all right? So they cling to this notion that it's bipartisanship. They're so afraid of going after the Republicans. They're so cowardly in the face of Corey Landowski giving them the middle finger. They back off. They retreat. They're so worried about swing voters in Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, they won't aggressively get their base to uh, to come to vote they are, they run they're so collectively so bad at the game of politics has something significant changed at this moment in terms of how the democrats are going to react we have to we have to look at a couple of things one there's a lot of fresh blood in the house so you have all these freshman senators and they don't care Congressmen, so, you mean? Con- I'm sorry. Thank yeah. you. Congress, congressmen and women. Mm-hmm. And they don't care. Uh, AOC and the squad. And you could name, you know, a couple dozen more on top of that. But there's fresh blood in the Congress. Even that, Underwood. 
that is pushing and, and making this um, a, a priority. So that's one of the main differences is, and, that, you know, again, is that, they're, they're, you know, we're not dealing with people that have been in ha- the House for, you know, 20 years and 30 years. We have so many new senators that, that are so that represent a such wide swath of the American experience between Muslim women and gays. And, and no, we don't have a transsexual yet, but or transgender yet, but it's coming. But when you have all that type of diversity pushing forward and it's youth and it's young these are young people that is one of the biggest differences because they, they they are just they won't they won't settle for anything anything but, less but the main difference is ukraine this 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 um, whistleblower situation has has united the democrats yep a week ago they were at each other's throats if you rem- re- remember trying to figure out well should we impeach him should we do this um, so, um, we're going to be called socialists if we say this or that now they're all focused on one thing and that's the whistleblower ukraine and impeaching mm-hmm. trump well i'll tell you what I, we will be following this every step of the way monroe atiba has been uh, calling for this moment uh, from the moment i ha- got in front of a microphone uh, from that first show back in march of 2017 so here we are in what is it september of 2019 and the democrats have finally united around an impeachment inquiry uh if monroe is correct the actual uh, impeachment vote will come down uh uh, what do you think before the end of this calendar year? Uh, I think by Halloween. I uh, like holidays. So. And that means that there will be a um, parade of witnesses uh, coming before the Senate in a trial. Uh, and presumably there will be uh, a prosecutor who knows what he or she is doing, as opposed to these congressmen who do stupid things like asking Corey Lewandowski to read a transcript, which you know he's not going to read. Right. Remember that one, right. Atiba, where he goes, uh, you read it yourself, you right. know, just openly giving him the middle finger. Uh, and so having said all that, not one Republican, not one including your friend Mitt Romney, will vote for They could have Donald Trump saying on that transcript, I will give you personally your own condominium uh, at Trump Tower in exchange for dirt on Joe Biden and not one Republican. This this is my theory. I've had it for some time, and I'm sticking with it, is that when the hearings are televised and all these... Um, criminal activities of Trump um, are exposed. His ratings are going to fall, and as his ratings fall, all those Republicans in the Senate who are up for election are going to have a change of heart about him. And they will go, oh, my God. Atiba, come on now. Do you believe that? No. Um, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I don't believe that we're going to be having a vote this year. Because what is... A Senate vote. Right. Or a, a Democrat. Uh, uh, even in the House. Okay. I, don't, I don't... Because right now, with, with Nancy Pelosi making that announcement, mm-hmm. what that means is there are now six different committees within the House that now have to prove each of their own case yeah. for impeachment. And it's going to take some time for them to gather that. We're talking about Thanksgiving. We're talking about Christmas. I just don't see it happening. I see it happening sometime next year. And I don't think that the Democrats honestly want it to happen too soon. I think the, the, the closer they could play this out till March, April, May, June of next year, 
just a couple of months before the election is to their benefit. All right, yeah. very good. And before we go to break here, uh, Monroe, people are weighing in here at Tiba. They're weighing in. Figured I'd uh, weigh in with live stream comments here before we move on. Uh, let's see here. We got a guy named Dog Doggerson. He oh. weighed in. He says, uh, Monroe's got it. Uh, let's see here. They all love Monroe. Dog Doggerson. <laughs> I love the name Dog Doggerson. He says, uh, Bernie's still doing great. And then he says, yeah, also Warren slash Sanders is also a false equivalency. Uh, but uh, Stephen, Stephen weighed in, and that's something I've been wondering myself. Here, Steven asks here, where did Monroe get that epic shirt that I he's wearing? Oh man, that shirt. We, we where'd you I get want it? that shirt? Where'd you get it, Monroe? It's it's a f- uh, Fubo. Fubu for Fubu. us by us. Yeah. Is that is that hand painted silk? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I, but it's twenty years old. <laughs> I think, I think Monroe got that old. in another lifetime. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so, and, and I bought it new. <laughs> it's not a, a, a one of those. Um, Goodwill numbers. That's yeah, got right. like a Salvation 70s vibe to it. Steven, yeah, right. uh, Steven right. then very says, 70s. Steven then says, geez, what a glorious garment that is. So, <laughs> a lot of oh. people liking the shirt. Oh, and I have a personal request here. I just love it every time you do it when you come on our show. Can you just say Putin? You want to ask me a question or just can I say Putin? There we go. That's all I needed. That's awesome. All right. Monroe Anderson. A big day for Monroe. The Democrats have finally, finally, finally launched that impeachment inquiry. And Monroe celebrated by wearing that glorious shirt. Yes. Uh, and Atiba celebrated. The hallelujah chorus breaks out. Atiba Buchanan celebrated by wearing some uh, a wonderful tie and some cufflinks. And I celebrated by... Wearing my best bulls hat. There you go. Uh, Atiba Monroe, thank you very much. You'll be coming back regularly as this uh, saga unfolds. Uh, Every Wednesday with Monroe Anderson, we've got uh, Kelly Keene, Chicago, uh, uh, University of Chicago Medical Center nurse. Man, come on, University of Chicago. Do the right thing by your nurses. Uh, Nurses and teachers, firefighters and cops, got to treat them right. They do good things for us. We'll bring her on to talk about what's going down at the University of Chicago right after this. Monroe, put the beer away. <laughs> Partying too hard. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options. Options.com. One more time. Chicago Land Cremation Options.com. After years of neglect, Illinois is finally getting its mojo back. 
Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Hannibal Burris. The real reason I came home is just because I was traveling a lot anyway. I wasn't in New York that much, and I don't have a full-time job in New York. I work a lot, but I'm not in New York, so it was just like, I don't, I don't need to be here anymore. And, I, and also, I just wanted to work on different stuff here in Chicago. So I have this center that I'm working on on the west side, Melvina Masterminds. It's going to be arts and, and then a tech program and after school programming for uh, kids in, a, in the North Austin area. So just wanted to be back. There we go. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. This weekend, I saw a picture in the paper that really you know, just really got to me. It was uh, University of Chicago had employed these big burly guards to keep nurses from coming back to work uh, at the hospital down there in Hyde Park. I'm like, come on, University of Chicago. You're supposed to be so enlightened. You're supposed to be like the leader of intellectual thought in the Midwest. Why you got these big burly guards like Pinkerton strikers, strike breakers back in the day. And then you just so very vicious of you, University of Chicago, to treat your nurses that way. That's just my opinion. I'm allowed to opine because it is my podcast so i just immediately said i got to get some nurses on to talk about what's going down at the university of chicago uh, it's been happening for a while first it was a strike then it was a lockdown then we'll get the latest from kelly Keene, who is uh, a nurse at the university of chicago but before we bring kelly on d you got an update for me ben please opine more <laughs> okay i'm opining like crazy What's that it? university of chicago and by the way chicago teachers union yay bernie yay john cusack want me to pine some more how about bob Ryder going crazy at that uh, Chicago Teachers Union rally with Bernie and dropping the F-bomb. <laughs> Yay, oh Ryder! Goodness. Oh, my goodness. And how about Bruce Rauner, huh? <laughs> Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! Oh, what a governor. All right, before we get into our interview here, I just want to remind everybody, big day on the Ben Jarofsky Show tomorrow because Ben is going to be talking one-on-one. He's going to be in studio with Dan Savage. Savage Love, Chicago Reader. Savage yep. Love, Chicago Reader. You know what I mean? It's going to be at 3.30, and what we're going to do is uh, it's going to be a Benny J. Bonus interview but we're going to keep the live stream going all right so be sure to tune in live on facebook uh live or uh, the youtube page as well dan savage coming in and boy i gotta clean this place up a little bit my goodness <laughs> yeah. it's a mess in here so i'll be cleaning up and dan savage will come in wait somebody you didn't clean up for kelly i know i'm sorry i was really She's busy. a nurse okay? i know i'm so sorry and we had stuff on the floor i'll clean it up dan savage tomorrow 3 30 live tune in or you can download it this weekend as a benny j bonus interview ben we got what, uh, what questions you got? In mind? No, we're going to be talking politics. Dan Savage uh, is an astute 
student of politics, national level and state level. And I know he's going to have a lot of good insights. It's going to be a lot of fun conversation about Trump, the strategy to beat Trump, uh, where the, how the Democrats should proceed. I'll be asking. We'll play some of the ROM stuff. We'll get into uh, you know whether uh, the Democrats should follow the ROM strategy or the Dennis strategy, as we call it. <laughs> the Dennis, I just gave you credit for it. All right. Which means get the base fired up, that strategy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just, you know, a lot of great political talk um, with a really... No uh, pressure. Trent Carson says, can't wait. <laughs> he can't yes, wait. I can't wait either. You, oh, I, you know, I'm not trying to put the pressure on you here. And it's, oh, can't wait to listen. That's what Dar said. I'm, I'm oh, with both be of good. them. I can't wait. Yeah, it will be good. I can tell you that right. Dan Savage is funny and smart, and it's going to be a good time. That's correct. All right, very good. Appreciate that. By the way, if people are wondering, this is Harold Washington. Yeah, Summit. yeah, yeah. Show Donated, everybody that. Uh, this. Uh, put it right in the camera there. What? Oh yeah, oh, Ben, you're, <laughs> yeah. he's ahead of the world. I, That's I a three D print from oh, our that that yeah from our good friend Hector. Hector, thank you so much yeah. for uh, sending us that uh, Harold Washington three uh, D print job. There, uh, Harold Washington, of course, is the greatest mayor the city of Chicago has ever had. He was the mayor of the city of Chicago from nineteen eighty three to nineteen eighty seven, and he wouldn't tolerate the University of Chicago locking out its nurses. Anyway, let's uh, move on to Kelly Keene. Thank you uh, for coming in, Kelly. Really appreciate. Thank you for it. having me. All right, so before we uh, you know get into the issues and stuff, talk a little bit about your uh, what kind of nurse are you? Yeah, sure. Um, so currently I work in the surgical surgical trauma ICU, um, but I've worked all over in the university. I worked in the PED side. I worked in the NICU, the PICU, in supplemental. Um, so I've kind of done all, a lot. Help, help me out a little bit when you use those abbreviations. What were those yeah, sure. acronyms? Uh, NICU is the neonatal ICU, and then the PICU is the pediatric ICU, um, and surgical ICU, SICU. Um, so your job in the surgical uh, ICU, what does that entail? What do you do every day? Oh, <laughs> so surgical trauma, um, you know, we can have patients fr from trauma, you know, gunshot victims, motorcycle accidents, motor vehicle accidents, um, all the way to transplants. We get post, um, post liver transplants, post pa pancreas transplants, post kidney transplants um, to, you know, anything in between, any kind of surgical uh, any patient who had a surgery who needs an intensive care unit, you know, they majority of the time come to us in the surgical ICU. All right. So, Kelly, excuse my utter ignorance. And I apologize up front for not knowing the, uh, the answers to these questions I'm about to ask. So are you the nurse that like when somebody comes in and the hammer and they put them on the stretcher and like, you know, on the TV show, clear away, clear away, boom, boom, hitting the, you know, they hit the. Remember that excuses ignorance part there. They hit the, you know how they hit the chest, hit the chest. And then like, it, like the TV camera would be coming up and it would be all blurry because that's the vision. That's the viewpoint of the patient. Ugh, where am I? And you are that nurse? That's you? Um, it's a little different in the, in the actual real world. But yeah, yeah, that's kind, that's kind of us. So it's life and death decisions. You have to be able to react like Absolutely. that instantly. Absolutely. You know, we have very sick patients at the university in, in all of our units. You know, we, we our acuity is high. We take patients from all over, um, from all the way down to Springfield in Indiana, all the way over to Rockford, you know, patients come to us from all over when they can't get the type of care that they need at, at their community hospitals, you know, they're too sick for those hospitals. And so they come to us um, because we can get them the care that they need. And so our patients are very sick um, at the university and, and we're the top nurses who can, you know, take care of those patients, but, you know, kind of going into why we, why we went on strike in the first place. Um, 
you know, our staffing is not what it needs to be in order to take care of those patients. Um, you know, they opened the trauma center a year and a half ago and they didn't give us the resources, um, to take care of those patients. I don't know if the hospital didn't know how many patients would come in, um, for that treatment, but you know, that, uh, that patient population increased, you know, exponentially and, and all the rest of the patients, you know, before trauma happened, the surgical ICU was taking care of different patients and all of those patients, you know, where did they go? A lot of them went to the floor. And so patients that would have been an ICU patient last year are now are on, are on the regular general floor with nurses who are taking care of, you know, four other patients who are just as sick as, as that person. I remember when they opened the trauma unit, there was a lot of patting on the back and congratulations, aren't we great? Uh, they, I, 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 that was actually the result of years of protest yeah. by activists on the south side of Chicago saying there's no trauma unit. Uh, the, the other hospital, I can't remember which one, closed its trauma unit, so the south side was out without a trauma unit. So the University of Chicago finally opened it. They they had, the, I remember the groundbreaking, Mayor Rahm, et cetera, et cetera. So you're telling me they opened the unit, but they didn't hire enough nurses to adequately staff the unit. Correct. So they're asking relatively the same number of nurses to do more work. Correct. And so what's the implication on the, the, the daily activity of a nurse? Like how, how long a day do you work? How has it changed a nurse's life? Well, so, um, you know, we, we work 12 hour shifts. Um, the majority of us, us, some work different hours in procedural areas. Um, but the majority of us work 12 hours, um, 7am to 7pm or 7pm to 7am. You know, the, there is no stopping of, care at the hospital, you know, it happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and, and you know, we're there, we're there taking care of this. So patient. you work a, se- a 12 hour shift, seven to seven and, uh, every day of the week or how many days a week? So we work three days a week, um, the majority of the time, but you know, I can tell you over the summer, it's a, it's a big trauma season and I get a text almost every day off, you know, asking, Hey, can you come in? Um, you know, we need, we need more nurses. Can you come in? And, you know, to ask the same nurses every day, you know, can you come in for another 12 hour shift? I know it's your day off, but we really need you. And you, you sit there struggling at home, like, Oh, you know, I, re- I really need the day off. Like I need to get stuff done. I need to just relax. I need, but then at the same time you feel bad for your, you know, your, uh, your coworkers that, you know, they're struggling at work to, you know, to get everything done. It doesn't matter if they don't have the staff, if they have the bed, they will take that patient, you know? And so the, as staff, we just kind of figure it out. It's like, we'll take, um, you know, assignments that we really shouldn't be taking. Um, we pair patients that shouldn't be paired, um, because somebody needs to take care of them. We as nurses don't have the option to say, no, I can't take care of that patient. No, I can't take that assignment. And the only option we have is to fill out um, a form that we call an ADO um, that is basically a form saying, you know, I took this assignment, but I don't agree with this assignment. It's not safe for the patient for me to take this assignment. And over the past two years, um, we've had nurses, we've had 1,700 of those ADO forms filled out saying, you know, this wasn't an appropriate assignment for us to take. And that's not even the number of times that they should have been, you know, filled out. There have been plenty of times where I should have filled out an ADO form that I didn't because I was like, well, nothing bad happened. You know, I got through the shift, but 
you know, you don't want to just get through the shift. You want to get through the shift knowing that you gave the best care that you could give and not that you, um, you know, that you missed something, you know, if, if you're stretched thin, there's, there's certain things that have to give, you know, you, you can't give the patients everything that you need, you know, as nurses, we, you know, we, we do everything, you know, we do the assessments where the eyes and ears of the, of the doctors, you know, the doctors come in, you know, five minutes in the morning, maybe again in the afternoon, but the nurses are the ones who are at the bedside. They're looking for those signs. You know, is this patient getting better? Is this patient getting worse? You know, what do we need to do? Calling those doctors and saying, you know, something's not right with this patient. You need to come and take a look at them. And then we're also doing those other things of comforting and cleaning them up and, you know, getting them up to the chair, getting them to the bathroom, talking to family, explaining things to family. Um, you know, I had a patient where I, the the mom had me come in and explain a procedure to each and every family member as they came in so that everyone understood. And I was happy to do that, but that's something that, you know, takes me away from other things that I need to do. And so, you know, what, what do the nurses give up then? They give up their lunch breaks. They give up their, um, their bathroom breaks. You know, these are things that we give up so that we can do those other things because we feel that as nurses, you know, those other things are more important, but you can only do that for so long. You can only, give up your lunch break and stay over time and, um, you know, give up your days off so much before you're like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. And so how many, if you could, if, even if it's just raw numbers, how many nurses are there currently employed at the university and how many nurses do you think they need to hire, uh, to, uh, fill in these shortages of, uh, employees? That's a good question. There's currently 2,200 nurses at the university. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how many, um, should be hired, but I can tell you that, you know, in the contract negotiation, um, the hospital offered us 30, 30 positions, um, as their part of the bargaining, um, table to say, you know, this is our proposal. We'll give you 30 more nurses to, to fix your staffing. And it's not even, you know, a drop in the bucket. Um, yeah, you know, I'll give you an example. The, ER um, won an arbitration that they weren't were getting refused their breaks, and just for the ER alone to get their breaks, they gave them twenty FTEs, and so for them to say thirty FTEs is going to solve the staffing problem for the entire hospital. That's like telling a drowning victim, "Here, I'll get, I'll throw you a pair of goggles." Like that's not going to stop them from drowning. Wait, help me out. Help me out of the, the ER one. It's arbitration. ER emergency room. Mm-hmm. The emergency room nurses. They had an arbitration here. They had an arbitration. On what and, issue? And um, that they weren't getting their breaks. They weren't getting their um, their you know required breaks. In other words, the way they, there was a shortage of nurses. Correct. And the way the hospital dealt with the shortage. In- Oh my God. The way they did, I go, here's what we're going to do, guys. You're not going to have a break. You're not going to have lunch. You're, gonna have <laughs> You're just going to keep working. And that's how we're going to, so we can have this hungry, tired nurse dealing with people who are facing a life and death situation. That was their solution to their nursing uh, crisis. And so the ERs then filed a grievance Correct. through, uh, and, it, and the arbitrator ruled on their, uh, on their behalf. And what was the result of that ruling? So uh, the result was that they would open up 20 full-time employee positions for for just the ER to get, allow those patients allow those nurses to get their breaks um, and you know the rest of the hospital is saying 
we're not getting breaks either. You know, we're, we're taking care of, you know, five, six, you know, really sick patients, you know, two patients in the ICU who really potentially should have been one-to-ones, you know, and, and we're pairing them um, because we don't have enough nurses to take care of those patients. Did they hire the 20 nurses in ER? Do you know? I don't know. Do you know how much like uh, a nurse would cost? Let me just figure this out. I'm going to do this mathematic. I'm going to help you out, University of Chicago. I'm going to do the hard math. So how much is like, a, what does a nurse generally make roughly? Do you know? Just the, like a beginning nurse, do you know? Probably $30 an hour. Oh God, my math is terrible. <laughs> How much is that? D, do the math. How much is that? I'm not trying to help the University of Chicago out. Oh, let me get uh, my thirty dollars an hour. Let me get my Dan Biss app. Okay, out. times thirty-seven. That's what they generally make. All right. So thirty times thirty-seven is how much? One thousand one hundred ten. Multiply that times fifty-two. This is great podcasting. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> 57720 All right, let's just say $60,000 times 20, please. Twice 22. Times 20. Or 20. Yeah, 22. They hired 22. 22. Okay. Yeah, 60000 equals. 1269840 All right. So there you go. It costs the, the University of Chicago $1.2 million. Let's say $1.27. I'm going to round it up for you, University of Chicago. Let's make it 1.3 to make a nice, maybe because you're going to give them a, a Christmas bonus because you're so generous. All right. $1.3 million. All right kicking and dragging and screaming and fighting an arbitration decision. That's how much they're going to pay. How much do you know did it cost the University of Chicago to bring in those uh, security guards and uh, the, the, the nurses uh, when you guys went on strike? Well, I can tell you they spent, um, it was about $5,000 per nurse just for their just for their salary. or yeah. just, it just, And then they also paid for room and board and food and and everything, and I don't know how much they they. Yeah, to feed those nurses, they eat a lot of money, a lot of food. Oh my goodness! So five thousand dollars for a nurse? Did you say? And how many? Do you know how many they brought in? Um, I they brought in several hundred, you know, okay. to to fill the to fill the space. Um, but you know, we we were offering to come back on Saturday. You know, we we only wanted to be off on Friday to to strike and let them know. And we offered to come back on Saturday and they just wouldn't let us, you know, come in. They said, nope, we got the care, the nurses we need. Although, you know, they said they had enough nurses, but they still closed, you know, we were still on, uh, we were still close to bypass. We were still, um, or we were still, sorry, we were still on bypass to um, transport to trauma to ACLS to strokes to burns. You know, all of those people were bypassed to other hospitals where, you know, they could have come back. Started on Saturday. In other words, I see what you're saying. So if uh, a, a stroke person with a stroke was, uh, instead of going to the University of Chicago, they bypassed and they sent uh, that person, the stroke person, to another hospital. Correct. So you brought in a replacement nurse, even though there were no, they were bypass, they were sending the patients that that nurse would have to treat to a different facility. Well, so they were still allowing walk-ins to come in. So people were still able to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they transferred um, almost all of the pediatric patients out to other hospitals prior to to Friday, um, and uh, you know they transferred some, you know, on a case by case basis from the adult side to other hospitals as well. But they, but as far as you know, ambulances, 
they weren't coming to the university. They had to go to another hospital. Now, I'm going to say something, and you don't have to agree with me if you disagree with it, but I'm going to say something. It seems like the University of Chicago is willing to spend a lot of money just to, like, really stick it to their nursing unit, as opposed to hiring a nurse. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's why I did the back of the envelope math to figure out, like, how much would it cost to hire nurses to fill the shortage? But they don't want to spend that money, but they'll spend money hiring nurses to really stick it to you guys. Uh, am I being unfair to the University of Chicago when I say that? <laughs> No comment. No comment. All right. Just, they, I, it's easy for me to say that. I don't have to go back to the University of Chicago. That's just my opinion as I sit here and do that back of the envelope math. So uh, essentially, how long have you been negotiating? How long has the union been negotiating? So we've been without a contract since April. And so they started negotiations um, in March. Um, and they were supposed to go back uh, to the bargaining table today, but the um, hospital canceled those. Um, today and tomorrow's bargaining sessions saying that, you know, they needed time to um, get all the nurses back into the hospital and get everything up and running again. And uh, so it, it seems like the main issue here is this issue of jobs. Uh, is it, are there salary matters, uh, disputes also uh, on the table? The, the main issue, really, we're just asking to keep what we already have. The main issues are, um, you know, the staffing, the security, um, you know, forced forced overtime. There, there are um, areas in the hospital, especially like the procedural units, um, who, you know, they don't get to leave if if the procedure is not done. You know, if the, if they get to the end of their shift and the and whatever procedure is going on, they have to stay until the end of that procedure. And then, whenever that happens, they don't you know, they don't get to come in later mm -hmm. the next day. They have to come in same time the next day, whether, you know, they were there for six hours, you know, overtime the day before. Why did you folks, you had a one day strike, am I correct? Correct. About that? And what was the purpose of the one day strike? We wanted to, you know, um, bring this idea to the community that, um, you know, and to let the hospital know, you know, we're not backing down. I think uh, so many times I've heard, you know, over the last couple of weeks, especially since leading up to the strike is, you know, you know, other hospitals have it worse than you or, you, you know, shut up. That's the way nursing is supposed to be. And, and that's not fair to the patients, you know, to say that nurses are supposed to be overworked and overtired because that's, you know, that's your job. Um, that's, that's not good nursing care. Um, when you're tired, you're more likely to miss things and, um, you know, have, have medical error. We're all human. You know, if an accountant makes a mistake at work, you know, it's not that big of a deal. If a nurse makes a mistake at work, Absolutely. you know, it's somebody's life. And, um, you know, you don't want to get to the end of your shift and think, God, you know, could I have done something better that did something happen today that like, you know, could have cost somebody their life. And uh, so you had the one day strike, you announced that you were coming back after the one day strike and the University of Chicago responded by saying you're locked out. Correct. And yeah, we showed up on Saturday um, and we, you know, linked arms, we walked towards the towards the facility and, um, you know, they had all of these extra security guards brought in um, who basically came and stopped us and um, and said, nope, the, you know, administrators said, no, you cannot come in um, and, and uh, you know, go home. And we said, you know, could you have one of the administrators come out here and, and talk to us and, and let us know why we can't come back in and, and help take care of these patients that we've been taking care of and help the, you know, 
let the community come back in and and bring our our hospital up to full full service um and you know they never did they um we uh got a text from the um lawyer saying you know you're you're blocking the entrance you need to leave or we're calling the cops to come and arrest you and so what happened so we left you know um uh without saying you know with you know we said before we left you know we'll be back we'll be back on on wednesday and we'll we'll be back ready to take care of our patients and and do what we do best and you know which is give the university of chicago you know it's um its name you know we're the we're the ground workers there doing doing what you know we're supposed to do at the at the hospital and uh i'm wondering how much it costs to hire those security guards I wonder how many <laughs> nurses you could have hired for the cost of hiring those uh just trying to help the university of chicago out as best i can with my back of the envelope <laughs> math here uh there was a uh, very compelling picture as i said at, uh in the hyde park herald i don't know if you saw the picture of the security guards confronting those nurses uh one picture tells a thousand stories as they say and uh, i just I feel as though the university, this is me speaking and not you, but I just feel as though the university's locked itself in this position. Um, that's re it's, it's really cruel and mean-spirited, in my humble opinion, just in general to its employees and to its patients. Yeah, it was really sad as, as nurses to, you know, um, to be locked out like that and not even... You know, the day of the strike, we, I walked up on the sidewalk and, um, you know, I had a, a security guard approach me and be like, no, you can't come here. You can't walk here. Um, you have to go around. And so I had to walk around the block because I, I wasn't welcome, um, um, you know, at the at the hospital that I've worked at for, you know, the last almost eight years. And Starbucks was turning people away, saying, nope, you're you're not welcome into this into this building. Starbucks? What do they care? <laughs> the Starbucks at the hospital. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, like, there's some random Starbucks. Yeah, no. uh, we're standing with the University of Chicago because we think there should be a shortage of nurses. Uh, I doubt that would be the Starbucks official position. But the Starbucks within, they wouldn't even let the nurses come into the Starbucks? No. <laughs> uh, so what's the, the the reaction been of other employees uh, at the hospital, like the doctors and such? Has there been a... Um, uh, support from the other employees um it's been it's been mixed um uh, you know you have a uh, because you know it, i think people think that it was an easy decision for us to make to walk out of the hospital you know and and to to leave our patients that we've been taking care of um you know some some of these patients have been there for months you know almost a year and you you, you don't want to to walk out but at the end of the day, you know it's better for them in the long run that you know we we do these things and so that we can you know get them better care in the long run and and hopefully you know get this um, be the be the forefront of medicine and it, that you know University of Chicago touts to be and and say you know lead the example for other hospitals to say you know this is the care that that we all need to aspire to and 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 get our patients. And uh, what's next? So we go back to the bargaining table, um, and we and we keep fighting. You know, if if we go nowhere, then you know we are prepared to strike again, and, and we don't want to do that. We absolutely don't want to do that, but we have to in order to to get to get anywhere. Um, you know, 
if, if that's what it takes, then that's what we will do. Um, you know, the hospital keeps saying they want us to meet them halfway, but you know, it seems like the hospital's idea of halfway is all the way on their side and not actually halfway. Kelly Keene is her name. She's a nurse from the University of Chicago. Kelly, thanks so much for coming in. I appreciate it. Uh, the nurses are back at work. The strike is over. The lockout is over. But negotiations are ongoing. And the issue is, will the University of Chicago uh, hire enough nurses to adequately staff their hospital? And uh, I hope they're listening, and I hope they decide, ah, it might be a good idea to hire some nurses. This is similar to some parallels, as I hear your story, uh, to what's going on with the Chicago Teachers Union, and they're trying to force the Board of Education in the city of Chicago to guarantee a certain number of nurses. But here we go with nurses. Nurses in the Chicago Public School, librarians in the Chicago Public School, social workers. So uh, this is an ongoing issue throughout the city of Chicago, throughout you know the area, about uh, just trying to force uh, employees to hiring enough employees. So um, best of luck to you, Kelly. Best Thank of luck you. to your union. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. That's Kelly Keene, and I appreciate her being here. Also appreciate T. T.B. Buchanan and Monroe Anderson talking Trump, Trump, Trump. A lot of Trump talk today as the Democrats finally get it together and uh, launch the official uh, impeachment inquiry into Donald John Trump, who uh, has been sticking his middle fingers at the Democrats uh, for the last two or three years. Looks like it's going to come down to a showdown uh, in the next few months. And of course, got to thank the man, the myth, the legend behind the board, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, Dr. D. They call him White Lightning back home. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash pages forward slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, you know we live stream the show, right? It's true. We do. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Once again, at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. And we Facebook video live stream now at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook. By the way, while you're there, give us a like, follow, share, review, whatever you want to do. Tomorrow, 3.30, we're going to be doing a Dan Savage special. We're going to keep the live stream going, and it will be available for download as well. We'll see you tomorrow. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.